Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point on this Friday, April 7th. Caleb Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Bob Kemp on a scheduled day off, expected to return in the sports zone Monday, 9 a.m. But as we do, let's reset the scene with today's poll questions for the show. And we'll toss it on over to the KDOS1060.com poll question. And the Suns, they have two remaining games left in the regular season. They play tonight at L.A. facing the Lakers, and then they will play Sunday afternoon against the Clippers. So what should Monty Williams' plan be for the remaining two games of the regular season? Here are the options. Continue playing KD Paul Booker 35-plus minutes. Play KD Paul Booker 18-30 to 30 minutes. Do not dress KD Paul or Booker. And the masses continue to be out in front with the option of 18-30 to 30 minutes for those players at 75% of the vote, not dressing at all at 25%, and continuing to play them 35-plus minutes is getting no votes at zero uh, percent we will dive into the answer here around 11 30. toss it on over to twitter at kdus am 1060 who is more important that they are on the court for their team Paul George with the Clippers, Andrew Wiggins with the Warriors, Zion Williamson with the Pelicans. Getting some updated uh, information from Shams on social media, Sham Sharinia there, uh, talking about Zion Williamson not being ready for the play-in if the Pelicans are in a play-in position, but also maybe in question for the start of the playoffs in general if they were to get past the play-in. So that's the latest regarding Zion Williamson. The last I had seen about Andrew Wiggins is that uh, the anticipation is he'd be ready to go for the start of the playoffs for the Warriors. And Paul George, I have yet to see anything substantive uh, in regards to his potential return. However, the masses are out in front with Paul George at 66.7% of the vote. Andrew Wiggins and Zion Williamson each tied at 16.7% apiece. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Will make room for Cole Thompson, host of Just Saying It and writer with Fan Nation. We'll dive a little bit into the NFL draft around 11.15. Uh, looking forward to that conversation with Cole. But it's a Friday, and that means Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Not your normal meat market with craft beer, wine, spirits, and amazing treats for the four-legged friends. They are located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. So the weekend specials for you, certified Angus beef tri-tip roast at $12.99 a pound, prime boneless pork butterfly chops at $5.99 a pound, and the all-natural fresh boneless skinless chicken breast at $5.99 a pound. We will have the $100 gift certificate coming up a little bit later on in the program. The Diamondbacks. 
They dropped their home opener to the Dodgers last night, 5-2. to two. Dustin May, he was solid. Uh, six innings pitched, two hits, one run, two walks, five strikeouts. Merrill Kelly for the D-backs, five and two-thirds innings, six hits, four runs, four walks, and four strikeouts. For Corbin Carroll in his home debut for the 2023 season, he went 0 for 4. Jake McCarthy was 2 for 4. Uh, and it looks like... For the second time already this season, it's going to be a Clayton Kershaw versus Madison Bumgarner start tonight, 6.40 p.m. on Bally Sports Arizona. Uh, as it appears that the MRI this week for Madison Bumgarner showed nothing concerning, and so he is slated to get his start. If you remember, uh, he went home early after uh, his start with the Dodgers to get the season started for the, for him and the Diamondbacks with uh, some complaints about some arm soreness. And it appears here, the reports, MRI this week showed nothing concerning. So Clayton Kershaw, Madison Bumgarner, 640 tonight, Valley Sports, Arizona. Uh, where are we at right now with the NBA playoff race with the regular season ending on Sunday? Uh, it's kind of a toss-up, right? It's, it's wild different scenarios here and there, especially in the West. You do have the Nuggets. They're locked in at number one. Can't go anywhere else. The Grizzlies, second, Kings, third, Suns locked in at four. And then that's where things get very wild after that. You have the Clippers in fifth at 42 and 38. The Warriors in sixth at 42 and 38. The Lakers at 41 and 39. And the Pelicans in eighth at 41 and 39. All within one game of each other. When it comes to teams in the West that are playing each other tonight, you have, uh, well, the Knicks are at the Pelicans, 5 p.m. The Warriors are at the Kings, 7 p.m. We'll see if the Warriors can improve on their dreadful road record this season. And then the Suns are at the Lakers, 7.30 p.m. Um, on Bally Sports Arizona. When it came to Monty Williams yesterday talking about what the plan was for the team and whether or not they were going to play their players, he was really noncommittal as to what the plan was. So we'll have to find out on that front uh, and whether or not they can do some math to see if they can figure out if they can control at all who potentially is who they will face in the first round of the playoffs. Continuing on in the West, though, ninth place is the Timberwolves at 40 and 40. Tenth place is the Thunder at 39 and 42. The Mavericks in 11th at 38 and 42. And some interesting comments from Mavericks owner Mark Cuban that maybe kind of suggested if you're trying to read between the lines here that he would be more interested in missing the play in to secure a better lottery pick situation moving forward. So we'll see how all of this kind of unfolds. Obviously, the chemistry between Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic have not quite worked out uh, again. They thought it was going to work. I don't know if many other people thought it would. Over in the East, the Bucks they're locked in at the number one seed. Then you have the Celtics, two, 76ers, three. If you missed any of the conversation with Gina Mizell from the Philadelphia Inquirer, you can podcast over at KDOS1060.com. We dove heavily into the 76ers now, Joel Embiid, and also kind of the future, depending upon what happens for the 76ers in their playoff run. Then you have the Cavaliers in fourth at 
41 and 30. Have a, a, <clears throat> a decent lead here over the Knicks in fifth at 47 and 33. The Nets in sixth at 44 and 36. They're still trying to lock up that sixth seed. The Heat trying to push them. They're uh, in seventh at 43 and 37. And then Eighth place is the Hawks at 41 and 39. The Raptors in ninth at 40 and 40. Bulls 10th, 38 and 42. And the Pacers uh, well off the pace in 11th, 34 and 46. So we'll see how things kind of unfold here as the conclusion of the NBA regular season ends on Sunday. Let's transition over to some NFL conversation. Get us a little bit prepped for the draft. We're not long until the NBA or the NFL get a draft gets underway Thursday, April 27th, round one Cardinals still have the third overall pick. What do they do with the third overall pick? We'll dive into that and much more with Cole Thompson, who is host of just saying it on sports map radio network, as well as writer for fan nation. So we'll do that on the other side of the break. It is the extra point on this Friday, April 7th. Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Check out the Doug Gottlieb Show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060, as always online at KDOS1060.com. And with the KDOS app powered by Superbook Sports, we pop on out to the KDOS hotline. Cole Thompson, host of Just Saying It on Sports Map Radio Network, as well as a writer for Fan Nation and a frequent guest of the show. Cole, it's always great to speak with you. Kayla, we're getting down to the final weeks before the NFL draft, and the Arizona Cardinals might be one of the more interesting teams that people are not discussing enough about. I think you're right on that front, but I guess I'm going to bury the lead with the Cardinals here, and I'll start with the team that's probably getting a ton of attention, and that's the Carolina Panthers because they moved up to number one in the draft. They now have plenty of options in front of them. The whole contingency was at C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young's Pro Days. They had dinner at Will Levis's Pro Day. They were also at Anthony Richardson's Pro Day. The Panthers did sign Andy Dalton in the offseason, so if they wanted to go Anthony Richardson and develop him, they could. What, in your view, makes the most sense for the Panthers here in this clear rebuilding phase on the offensive side of the ball with new head coach Frank Reich? I think the biggest thing is that if you're going to stay at one, you have to go with the quarterback that Frank Reich really likes. And I think that at this point, it would be Ohio State C.J. Stroud. You got to look at the consistency and the contingencies of what Reich has looked for in a quarterback from his time in San Diego with Phillip Rivers to Philadelphia with Carson Wentz to Jacoby Brissett to Matt Ryan to even a guy like Carson Wentz once again when he was in Indianapolis. First up is size. They all stand about six foot two, six foot four. They all weigh about 225 to 230 pounds. They all are known for their accuracy more so than their arm strength. And they also are all known for the ability to lead offenses in terms of playmaking, RPO styles. A lot more of play, a lot less play action pass, more so of quick strikes across the middle of the field. Stroud has all that. Stroud production is second to none. Last season led college football in highest passer rating, finished with 41 touchdown passes, was basically the most consistent playmaker in the Big Ten last year. One uh, first time Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year, two time Heisman finalist. 
he has the size. He's six foot three, 218 pounds. He has the mobility aspect. The decision-making is going to come under question because of a lot of his, his plays that were phenomenal were on script. Once the overall offensive line started to deteriorate, once he started to lose weaponry down the field, he seemed flustered. But if you go back and you watch his two most impressive games, they came against Utah last year in the Rose Bowl and this past season against Georgia. The mobility is there. It just comes down to can't he be able to dissect plays at a quick enough level. This was a big knock that I had against Justin Fields when he was coming out of Ohio State. It felt like he rushed through plays as if a wide receiver would get open about 0.2 seconds after he had already bailed on the snap to where a play that could have gone 25 yards downfield ended up only going for about a gain of three because Fields wanted to go ahead and run it. But I think is there for Ohio for, for CJ Stroud. I really believe that when you look at his production, his consistency, his size, his footwork, his frame, his vision, his confidence, they're all traits that you want in a franchise caliber quarterback. However, this is David Tepper we're talking about. And David Tepper is going to take the quarterback that he believes will bring in not just the most fans, but also the biggest upside. So I think it really does come down to C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young at the end of the day. I think Anthony Richardson would be a fine selection if they weren't picking at number one. But I do think that at this point, Stroud feels like the safer bet of the two. You're based in Houston. The Texans are now sitting with the number two overall pick. New head coach D'Amico Ryans. They need a franchise quarterback. Have you been able to discern anything from his press conferences about maybe the type of quarterback he favors and therefore who might fit that mold at number two? I think what you really are looking for is a guy that can work in a play-action pass-run heavy formation. That's what Bobby Slowick and Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel and all of these other offensive-minded coaches who have worked in the Kyle Shanahan tree really are known for. Run the ball, be able to move the sticks, really rely on those short to intermediate throws, and that reads Bryce Young to a T. Young does not have a superstar caliber arm. He's not going to be able to have the howitzer that goes 45, 50 yards down the field. But he is going to win in that 18 to 25-yard range, which is exactly what Jimmy Garoppolo did. It's exactly what Brock Purdy did last year. That's kind of what you're getting from a Bryce Young. Consistency is basically his best element. Last season without John Mechie, without Jamison Williams, without Evan Neal, without Brian Robinson, he still threw for over 3,300 passing yards, still had 32 touchdown passes, ran for, I think, five or six touchdowns. And he did so also in 11 games instead of in 12 games because if he also missed that game against Texas A&M in the middle of the season. So production-wise, he didn't have a Heisman caliber season, but he still put up ample production and finished second in the SEC in touchdown passes and third in the SEC in completion percentage. This is a quarterback that people are going to manipulate and they're going to have pre-predicated notions on his size because of he did come in at five foot ten. He did weigh 208 pounds, but you got to remember, I mean, 204 pounds, but you got to remember Houston this offseason made sure that they fortified its offensive line for the foreseeable future by getting Shaq Mason, who by multiple reports I've been, I've been told they would like to get a long-term deal done with him before the start of the season. So it would make sense that he would take over as your right guard. You also extended Laramie Tunstall to a brand new contract for three years. So he's in the building for the next four seasons. There's a lot to like about his potential and upside at 29 years old. 
And I think that they're also going to do their due diligence on trying to figure out what will be the status of Titus Howard, who had a really good rebounding year last season back at right tackle, his natural position. So it's not as if Bryce Young is going to an organization that does not have a good offensive line. It's not a leap by any means. You still need to add in a center, and you need to hope that first-round pick, Tangin Green, from last year will develop into a much better uh, pass protector because his run-blocking skills are fine but you really need him to go be honed in on footwork, on hand placement. Young should be able to sustain a lot of hits, and even then, so ample protection behind this Texans offensive line. I don't think it's a consolation prize if they get a C.J. Stroud, and I do believe at this point, if they do take a quarterback at number two, it is C.J. Stroud or it is Bryce Young. Even though the David Mulligetta situation is going to be blown out of proportion, I think that either, either way, they feel content, but if they have their selection, Bryce Young is likely going to be the pick. Cole Thompson, host of Just Saying It on Sports Map Radio Network, writer for Fan Nation, joining us here on Extra Point. I buried the lead long enough here. The Cardinals sitting at number three. The options are there for them, you would think, to be able to get whatever defensive player they want or if they want to make a trade and get some much-needed draft capital to help rebuild. So if you were in charge, would it be Will Anderson or would it be a trade? And is it possible that if you trade, you can still get Will Anderson? I don't think if you trade, you'll get Will Anderson. I don't think Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher out of Texas Tech, is that far from removed from the conversation. you got to remember that Indianapolis potentially is going to add in a quarterback. I think that you would probably see Jalen Carter maybe go off the board at pick number five to Seattle. I think that if you're really looking at pick number seven, which would be one of the trade options, you would maybe be able to get Tyree because of, I think, Devon Witherspoon or maybe even Christian Gonzalez would be the pick by the Detroit Lions at number six. So I think that a guy who does have upside, really good pass rushing, an elite motor, good footwork, bend like crazy, bull rushing technology, he would be able to be available at pick number seven if you make the trade with the Raiders. I don't know if you make the trade with the Raiders. Everything that we're hearing right now from Daniel Jeremiah on NFL.com about the Tennessee Titans wanting to move up into the top three to be able to surpass Indianapolis for a quarterback would make a lot of sense. And I think that when you look at a team like Arizona, they understand this is not a good roster by any slate of the imagination. Whether or not you keep Kyler Murray, whether or not you keep DeAndre Hopkins, they're still going to finish bottom five in almost every statistical category just because of what they're doing by the turnover, by the change of command, by what you see in a guy by the likes of Jonathan Gannon as the new head coach. So you might as well get as much draft capital as possible to be able to garner more interest next offseason and be able to give yourself a couple of cornerstone pieces by just moving down the draft board. Ultimately, as much as I think pass rusher is a major need for this Arizona Cardinals team, one thing you know about a Jonathan Gannon-led defense is he loves his cornerback play. And I think that the one reason why you would be willing to move down to pick number 11 is because this is a very solid cornerback class from Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois Christian Gonzalez from the likes of uh, Oregon. I really like the film of Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State. I actually have him as my number one cornerback in this year's draft class. One of them is going to be available at pick number 11. And to move back eight spots is going to cost you at least one first-round pick, likely one mid-round selection, so a second or third-round pick in this year's draft, and probably a mid-round selection in next year's draft. So, you're garnering three picks in return and very high-value picks that Jonathan Gannon and Monty Austin, the new general manager, could use to their advantage. 
over the next two draft seasons. And again, we know that Kyler Murray is not going to be playing most of the year. We understand that there could be a move that potentially gets done to where maybe if you want to throw Ryan Tannehill into the deal to get him a shot to be the starting quarterback for at least a season, it could happen. But I do think that Arizona really needs to focus in on trying to build for its future. The best way to do so is by trading back. I look at Las Vegas at number seven to be a trade destination, but I really do look at Tennessee because of they need to fortify this new unit underneath Rand Carson, the general manager. Potentially picking number 11 is going to be on the table, and I could definitely see a shot where Arizona moves back. Maybe they even take a wide receiver at pick number 11 to replace DeAndre Hopkins. So the Colts, they're sitting at number four. They have a new head coach, Shane Steichen. Uh, he's a guy that has offensive background. He certainly had major success with Jalen Hurts in an offensive rebuild now, though, for the Colts. So can we take anything away from what he did with the Eagles as to maybe what a mold is for what he wants with the Colts? Or with some of the front office things that have occurred in the owner for the Colts that kind of anything's up in the air? I think really anything's up in the air right now. If they are truly fully invested on Will Levis, the quarterback out of Kentucky, I feel like he is going to be the ticket number four. But if they aren't sold on Levis, if they aren't sold on Anthony Richardson, there could be a very serious conversation to where they get on the phone with the Baltimore Ravens after the draft and add in Lamar Jackson. you got to remember that the non-exclusive franchise tag will not come into effect until the start of the actual year where training camp occurs. And you only have to give up two first-round picks. So it doesn't matter where Indianapolis is selecting in this year's draft or next year's draft. If Lamar Jackson is not signed to a long-term deal by the NFL draft, you know that there can be a conversation had following the picks and following the selections to where they'd be willing to give up two first-round picks for the future. Now, this could be really huge because it could be a different selling point to where a team like Indianapolis goes and fortifies other positions of value. They need to upgrade at left tackle. They need to upgrade at cornerback. They need to upgrade at pass rusher on the outside. There's a lot of different positions that they could address to where if they want to move down the draft board and allow a team like maybe an uh, maybe an uh, a Atlanta, maybe a team like a Las Vegas move up, get their quarterback for the future, one of those things happen. Because if they know that they're going to add in Lamar Jackson, that could be a difference maker. But I don't think that there's one set quarterback you're looking for if you're Chris Ballard. I think you have to walk away with the quarterback. And if it's not Lamar Jackson, you have to land either Anthony Richardson or Will Levis and make it work. Because if you somehow go ahead and take like a Hendon hooker on day two, the only thing I can imagine right now is the Jamal Adams meme where he was in New York where he got left out of the building. That's going to be the key card of a guy like Chris Ballard if he doesn't add a quarterback in this year's draft. Cole Thompson, host of Just Saying It on Sports Map Radio Network and writer for Fan Nation, joining us here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Let's talk about some position groups, wide receiver needy teams like the Patriots, Giants, Ravens, Packers. You also mentioned the Cardinals. This isn't maybe an overly loaded draft with wide receivers, Sue. Do they have to go get a wide receiver in the first round for these teams if they are going to improve at that position? No, I think that what you would do is if you're a team like the Minnesota Vikings, you take a wide receiver at the end of the first round. If you're a team like the New York Giants, maybe because you added in Darren Waller, who is more of a flex tight end, big slot receiver, you can add in a wide receiver at pick number 25. If the Saints really want to go get another wide receiver because they don't trust having Michael Thomas for a full season, maybe you can get a wide receiver. There's certain teams that I can see the value of adding in a receiver in the first round. And the main reason why is because I really view this class as a horrendous number one mentality wide receiver class. But 
I do view this class as a very high-value, high-productive number two receiver class. If you were to put a guy like Jordan Addison as your number two receiver, opposite of, say, a team like uh, Justin Jefferson, he is going to become a very solid playmaker. Some player who gets about anywhere of 65 to 75 catches a season, probably 800 to 1,200 yards, four to seven touchdowns. He is going to be able to open up the field and expand reps for the rest of the passing game. I think the same thing can be said about a Quentin Johnson from TCU. I think Cedric Tillman from Tennessee is a very big sleeper. Jalen Hyatt offers vertical presence, maybe not at the value of a number one player, but definitely at the, play, at the value of a number two type of receiver. So there's definitely names that could make the fit for round one. Again, if you look at the way that the NFC was built last year, the best teams were predicated on double formations of wide receiver play. Philadelphia had two 1,000-yard receivers in A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. You had the likes of San Francisco with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. You look at the AFC, you have teams such as the Cincinnati Bengals with two premier receivers in, in Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Uh, Miami, they have two 1,000-yard receivers in Jalen Waddle and in Tyreek Hill. So, you need complementary pieces, but if you don't have a bona fide number one receiver, I feel like it would be better to wait and draft a guy only because of I see more value in players in the rounds two through five than I do over splurging in round one on maybe a guy that you could get similar production from at the start of round two. It's not an overly attractive position, but it is vitally important. We saw how important it was for the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's offensive line. So from a draft standpoint, who stands out this year to make an immediate difference for a team? I think when you look at Broderick Jones from Georgia, he's going to be a plug-and-play left tackle. He's done a really nice job of improving his footwork and his hand placement since last year. He's only a full-time one-year starter, but you got to like what you saw from him late in the year this past season. He only allowed 17 total pressure, uh, 17 total hurries, uh, seven total pressures on a quarterback, and one sack. So he really does fit the mold of what you want on the blind side. I think Anton Harrison, depending on the offense he goes to, can be a plug-and-play left tackle. He was phenomenal this past season at Oklahoma, but he had a really, really, really efficient tape back last year during the likes of the Spencer, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the Spencer Rattler slash Caleb Williams era, he only allowed one total sack. He only allowed five total pressures. Now, with him, he is only a right, a lot of left tackle. He's only spent time on the left side of the offensive line. And I know that people are going to say, oh, well, left tackle and right tackle are not that different. Uh, that's a lie. That is a complete and total lie. You have to be able to take those necessary reps. So a team that maybe could be like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who recently released Donovan Smith, they may be a team that gets interested in adding in a guy like Anton Harrison because of, if it ain't broke, don't fix what you already have with a guy such as Tristan Wharfs on the right side. I really do like John Michael Schmitz, the center from Minnesota. I think he fits a lot of run-oriented offenses. The last few years, he's been working with Muhammad Ibrahim in his backfield, and this has been a very detailed offense on the P.J. Fleck that commands excellence on the interior of the offensive line, primarily due to the fact that he doesn't have a mobile quarterback that cannot afford to have bull rushers work up the middle of the field. Steve Avila from TCU is another name I keep a close eye on. He's very multi-purposeful. I think the biggest thing about him is that he has meaningful reps at center. He has meaningful reps at guard. Usually what you hear during the offseason is, oh, well, we'll just go ahead and slide him over and get him some reps, and we'll see if it works. And nine times out of ten, it really doesn't. 
a guy like Steve Avila actually does have reps at both positions. So there's film to see where he can improve as a center, where his strengths is in the left guard, where are his weaknesses as a right guard. I think that's going to be very beneficial for him. And the last guy is my favorite offensive lineman in this year's draft. It's Northwestern's Peter Skorowski. I think that he has the potential to be an all-pro guard from the get-go. I think the fact that he has reps on the right side of the offensive line, the left side of the offensive line, reps at both tackle positions allows him to be multi-versatile. I know we're going to hear about the arm length thing, but his former teammate, Rashawn Slater, had small arms before last season's torn ACL. People were considering him a top-10 left tackle on the rise. I think it's really coming down more sort of footwork and hand placement. That's exactly what you're going to get from a guy like Peter Skaronsky. I don't think he makes it past Chicago at number nine. They really need to upgrade its offensive line, not just internally, but on the exterior side. They love what they saw from Braxton Jones, the fifth-round pick next last year. And I think Skaronsky can fill a void either at right guard and allow Tevin Jenkins to kick back outside the right tackle or keep Jenkins inside at right guard, and Skaronsky be your right tackle for the future. But those are just a few offensive linemen that I think really could fortify a team's success, especially in pass protection. Last question here for you. Cole Thompson, host of Just Saying It on SportsMap Radio Network, writer at Fan Nation. Uh, it can be any position in this draft. Who do you see as a player you really like that isn't getting a lot of attention right now? I'll go with one on both sides. Uh, wide receiver Marvin Mims from Oklahoma, I think, is a player that's going to be able to hit right away. This is a playmaker who never really found immense success in Lincoln Riley's offense. But last year, once Jeff Levy came into the building, a Jeff Levy that likes to have a run-oriented offense. He averaged over 19 yards per play, first 1,000-yard season. Throughout his entire career, he was phenomenal when it came to yards after the catch. You can line him up in the slot. You can line him up on the outside. There's immense production and value for a guy such as Marvin Mims, probably somewhere in round three, but he may end up sinking in round two, even though if he had a Caleb Williams as his quarterback with this similar offensive concept, potentially he'd be talking about a Fred Bolitnikoff award winner. Defensively, I really do like Keon White out of Georgia Tech. I don't think he's a first-round talent by any means, but he is a player that can come in right away, find success as a three-eye tech, a four-tech, Five tech, maybe even a standing edge seven technique. He's a little bit over an older prospect. He's 25 years old, but he has skills that are going to translate to the NFL very quickly as a pass rusher because he spent his first three years at tight end. This is a guy that I think absolutely knows what it's like to go up against a defensive lineman, but he also knows what it's like to play tight end. So he understands where hand placement needs to be. He understands how to win at the point of an attack. Last season, he finished with 14 tackles for losses at Georgia Tech and 7.5 sacks. Probably a better number two pass rusher, but for those teams that are looking to add in and fortify their defensive line very much in somewhere mid-round two, Keon White's a guy. Uh, last person real fast, Dalyon Henley, the linebacker from uh, Washington State, another name that I think a lot of people are going to fall in love with. This guy had over 100 tackles last year. And he's a hyper-athletic player that can work in blitzing packages, can work in coverage. He was a former wide receiver turned defensive back, turned linebacker. So still kind of learning the position, but there's a lot to like about his upside and skills, probably somewhere in the middle of day two. Your knowledge and time is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much for coming on today. Thanks so much, Kayla.
You're very welcome. Once again, he is Cole Thompson, host of Just Saying It on Sports Map Radio Network, as well as a writer with Fan Nation. And while we were talking there with Cole, Sham Sharinia had tweeted out that uh, it appears the Suns are planning on sitting Durant, Booker, Paul, and Ayton tonight on the second night of a back-to-back against the Lakers. That contest is 7.30 p.m. tonight. Uh, so that looks to be the plan for the Suns, at least according to Shams. But we can still answer Today's KDOS1060.com poll question on the other side. But right now, caller number three, 602-260-1060. You're the winner of the Von Hansen's $100 gift certificate, Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. The weekend specials, certified Angus beef tri-tip roast, $12.99 a pound, prime boneless pork butterfly chops at $5.99 a pound, and the all-natural fresh boneless skinless breast at $5.99 a pound. Caller number three, 602-260-1060. You'll be the winner of the $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, 602-260-1060. Poll questions are coming up next. It is The Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Your morning drive just got a little better. The Dan Patrick Show is live weekday morning starting at 6 exclusively on KDUS AM 1060. Thanks to Cole Thompson of Fan Nation, as well as host of Just Saying It on Sports Map Radio Network for his time talking NFL draft. If you missed any of that conversation or any of our conversations and shows, you can always podcast over at KDOS1060.com with the KDOS1060 app or on Spotify and Apple where you would typically get your podcasts. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 on this Friday, April 7th. Bob Kemp on a scheduled day off, expected to return on Monday in the sports zone. It's time to get into to the poll questions here. But before we do that, uh, as we were out to break, Sham Sharania had reported, and it looks like it's uh, being reported by many more outlets now as well, that the Suns in tonight's contest against the Lakers will be uh, without Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul on the second night of a back-to-back. This coming from Dave McMiniman from ESPN, that if the Lakers win out, and the Warriors lose one of their final two games on the road, the Lakers would then clinch the number six seed. So obviously there's a ton still on the line for uh, the Warriors, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Pelicans, all that five through eight still jockeying for position as they're only separated by one game. The Suns, nowhere to go though. They are locked into that number four seed. So let's get into the poll questions here and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. What should... Monty Williams' plan B for the remaining two games of the regular season. The options are continue playing KD Paul Booker 35 plus minutes, play KD Paul Booker 18 to 30 minutes, do not dress KD Paul Booker. Those are the options here. Uh, I guess if you were on the side of continue playing them 35 plus minutes, that the argument is that they've only played eight games together and that isn't enough for continuity uh the lakers tonight and the clippers on sunday but uh potentially these are two teams that could be first round matchups 
or met later on in the playoffs. So maybe you don't want to show them ways to beat you, how to guard you, get that sort of confidence against you as they're going to be trying to vie for their position in the playoff seating. Also, is logging these kind of minutes in the last two games really necessary, uh, considering the fact that I just mentioned there's nowhere for you to go. There's no benefit. You're you're locked into that four seed. Uh, if you're on the side of play KD, Paul Booker, 18 to 30 minutes, it's kind of that uh, – halfway between you still want to be able to get some continuity you want to get some good good work in uh but you really kind of want to try to prevent against some injury uh there's no need to have the wear and tear heading into the grueling playoff potential schedule uh where you're playing much more consistently so there's no reason for you to uh, go all out when there's a long road ahead for the playoffs. So take advantage of some of the rest that is ahead for you. If you're on the side of not dressing KD Paul Booker, we've seen how important KD is to this team. I think that's undeniable. We know how important KD is to this team. When he was out after the sprained ankle, it was a struggle. Even with Booker, even with Paul, the depth is just not quite there. So KD has to be uh, healthy and ready to go. And uh, in order to preserve them, in order to lessen chance of injury, just don't dress them. And certainly this is the second night of a back-to-back. If you're kind of looking at it from a perspective of uh, maybe it doesn't matter who we play in the first round. We can't get caught up in trying to dictate that. We'll just play who we're set to play because we think with our guys we can match up. Then just rest them and uh, be ready to go for the playoffs because you have nowhere to go. You're locked into that fourth seed. At this point, Monty has done a lot of experimenting with rotations, so we should probably kind of know. Like We even saw it earlier this week where campaign didn't play. He was a healthy scratch, uh, and Monty had talked about it. He wanted to see some sort of different opportunity on the defensive side of the ball with, uh, with, with, with not having campaign coming off the bench. Last night, he came off the bench in his particular role that he typically has. So uh, I think at this point, Monty has probably seen what he needs to see in order to see say all right these are these are your roles here's the guys we're going to be rolling with obviously if people get into foul trouble if if certain things are kind of unfolding nobody's hitting their shots etc you might try some different things based upon matchups as well but I think at this point you should kind of have an idea of what the lineup is that you're going to be rolling with in the playoffs so I'm on the side of don't dress them uh just don't no need at this point we know that Kevin Durant is um he's so vital he's so key to what this Suns team is going to be able to do in the playoffs I know I've been saying that I want them to get that kind of pressure cooker situation but I think at this point that's just unrealistic because there's a lot of other things that are going on with other teams not playing their players etc that that's just an unrealistic want for me so based upon what is being delivered back just sit them get to the playoffs, and uh, see what happens. Roll the dice in, in that particular category. The masses, though, they're on the play KD, Paul Booker, 18 to 30 minutes side of things at 75% of the vote. Do not dress them at 25% and continue playing them at 35-plus minutes at 0% of the vote. That is KDOS1060.com's poll question on Twitter. At KDOS AM 1060, who is more important that they are on the court for their team? Paul George with the Clippers, Andrew Wiggins with the Warriors, 
Zion Williamson with the Pelicans. Well, Paul George, he was the leading team scorer. I know that you had, with the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard missing some time. Paul George obviously having to take kind of a brunt of all of that offensive firepower with Kawhi Leonard not in a lot of those contests. But since he went down in March, the Clippers are 4-3. and three. He certainly is a pest on both ends of the floor. And we talked about it earlier in the week, too, that if Paul George is in for the Clippers facing the Suns, that that potentially has an opportunity to put, uh, you know, like a George on um, KD, to put a Kawhi on Booker. And you certainly kind of make that defensive matchup a little bit more challenging. But whether or not he's going to be back and and healthy in the Paul George that we know, not quite certain. But he's very key and vital to what the Clippers want to do because they don't have a ton of depth either. Uh, Andrew Wiggins with the Warriors, clearly his defense has been missed because defensive metric-wise, the Warriors are like almost last in the league and, and certainly pretty much last in the league when they're on the road as well. So he should be able to help improve that, also provide some offensive firepower as well. And he's not coming off of an injury, so uh, he's just mentally ready to go now. It looks like the latest that I had heard in regards to him was that he could be available for the start of the playoffs. When it comes to Zion Williamson with the Pelicans, um, Sham Sharinia was reporting that he would not be available for the play-in, and then it's looking less and less likely that he would be available for the start of the playoffs if the Pelicans made it past the play-in round. Uh, But Zion, since he has been out since January 4th, The Pelicans had a stretch of 10 losses in a row in January. Then they lost 8 of 11 in February and part of March. So he's clearly a central part of what the Pelicans want to do. We saw how pesky the Pelicans were against the Suns last postseason. I just don't know that the Pelicans are there right now. The expectations really grew for them. A lot of people were on their win totals over. So Zion seems to be a key piece to all of that. But I think when we're looking at this for like realistic teams to to go further in the playoffs, uh, Paul George has to be that player, right? He's got to be the guy that's back on the court for the Clippers depth-wise uh, to be able to get them to where their expectations are or else maybe there's going to be some changes in the offseason. So I would go in the direction of Paul George. The masses are also on the Paul George side of things at 66.7% of the vote and then Andrew Wiggins and Zion Williamson at 16.7% apiece. That is Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. We'll wrap it up on the other side of the break. A brief look at the Masters here. Brooks Kepka is your 36-hole leader at 12 under par. Amateur Sam Bennett, he shot another four under par day today. Eight under par for the tournament, and he is in so low second at the moment. John Rahm, he has made five straight pars to start his day. He remains at seven under par. Colin Morikawa, he shot another three under par day. He's at six under for the tournament. We'll have a little bit more on the Masters and some other items regarding ASU baseball on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060. The Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big-name guests, timely sports information, and more on KDUS AM 1060. 
final segment of this Friday, April 7th edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. First of all, a big thank you to you for listening to today's program. Uh, in addition to that, thank you to Gina Mizell for her time talking 76ers, Joel Embiid in the MVP race, as well as Cole Thompson for his conversation regarding NFL and the NFL draft. If you missed any of those interviews, you can always podcast over at KDOS1060.com with the KDOS 1060 app or Apple and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I had mentioned when we went to break that Sam Bennett, the amateur, is uh, sitting in a second place alone right now with an eight under par. And I thought that he would be setting some records doing so. And he how has the lowest uh, 36 hole score at the Masters since Ken Venturi's 135 in 1956. Eight under par for Sam Bennett is 136. So uh, he's certainly playing really good golf as an amateur here in his uh, debut at the Masters. As for Scotty Scheffler, the defending champion, he shot 75 today. So he is now at one under par for the tournament. And he currently sits in dead last in the field right now in strokes gained putting. So that is an area letting him down and I think it's kind of filtered into some frustrations elsewhere in the game as well uh, John Rom, though he's at seven under par through six even on his day and uh, we'll see how things shape up as we're monitoring the weather situation still looks decent right now it doesn't look like it, the winds are coming in just quite yet ASU baseball they needed a late rally last night they were down 5-3 in the top of the ninth Ryan Campos picked off WSU's base runner to end the inning and good things happened at the plate uh, Jacob Tobias hit a solo home run to make it 5-4 to four, and then ASU Baseball loaded the bases with Isaiah Jackson bringing home the game winner in walk-off fashion ASU Baseball continues their series against WSU tonight Tim Healy on the call pregame 6-15 first pitch 6-30 you can follow along at KDOS AM 1060 KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app the Suns, they're at the Lakers tonight. The D-backs are hosting the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw versus Madison Bumgarner. And don't forget about Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Visit them, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. And for your meats for the weekend, be sure to go today and Saturday as they are closed on Sunday in observance of Easter. Bob had a scheduled day off today, expected to return in the sports zone on Monday morning at 9 a.m. Everyone have yourselves a fantastic weekend, and we will talk to you then.